Welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals and entrepreneurs about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business using live events. Whether you're running community meetups or conferences, trade shows, and other events, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. We want you to get more attendees, produce epic events, make more money, and most importantly, to do it all with no stress. This podcast is sponsored by EventsFrame. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. Make the switch from Eventbrite today to our amazing ticketing and registration system with no ticket fees. Most ticketing systems charge you a minimum of 3% of the ticket price, but we just have a flat, low fee with no ticket fees and no restrictions. There's literally no system out there that is cheaper than EventsFrame. It's also super easy to use and you can embed your tickets in your website or you can use our own website builder, which is really simple. We have amazing options to apply all kinds of discounts on all the features you'd expect from a much more expensive system like QR code check-in. Go to eventsframe.com, that's E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com for a free, no-risk, one-month trial. Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have a returning guest, Chris Robb from Bali. Chris is a veteran of the mass participation uh, sporting industry. And we had another interview about a year ago, which you should go and check out. It's really good. We talked about Chris's background growing up in Zimbabwe and how he worked in the Sydney Olympics and and founded Singapore Marathon. Uh, And then what it kind of ended up with him founding and running an event called Mass Participation Asia, which has been renamed Mass Participation World, all for people running these large-scale sporting events. So great to have Chris back, and in this, event, in this episode, we're going to get into his conference. So Chris, well, welcome back. Hi, Dan. Great to connect again. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, to chat. Had a, had a wonderful chat last time, and really looking forward to this, yeah. To, yeah, what's new with you, Chris? Like you're in, you're in Bali. Anything anything changed in your life? You st- you're still living in Bali, traveling, speaking, running this event? Yeah, so still still based out of Bali, traveling a, a reasonable amount. Although I've just had a nice uh, six week period at home, which I've loved. It's a beautiful time of year here. Been getting out as as we were talking before we came on air on riding the bike through the rice fields. It's a it's a really beautiful time of year here. Neck of the woods up to to Prague for the European Business of Running conference and. And then on to, to Manchester after that for a conference uh, as well around crowd science. Uh, one of the speakers, in fact, um, Marcel Altenberg, who's a, a crowd scientist who was at our, our conference last year in Singapore. So the conference really started in, in 2015 uh, under the banner of Mass Participation Asia with the primary objective of bringing the industry together across all of the verticals. So the traditional verticals, as I call them, so running, cycling, triathlon, obstacle racing, swimming, and, and, and the like. And it's grown to, I think last year, we reached a, a little bit of a tipping point. We had about 60 speakers from all over the world and, and nearly 250 delegates, uh, and really got some, some great feedback from, from the people that had, had attended. And what, what we've now, literally four weeks ago, is we've rebranded Mass Participation Asia into Mass Participation World. With that comes a, an exciting partnership with a guy called Mike Laughlin out of London. So Mike was the founder and former CEO of a, a, a wonderful organization called SportCal. Mike's got a 30-year background in research in the industry. And one of the things we've recognized is that there's very little research in in the mass participation industry globally. So the the kind of 
model that we're embarking on is, is, is working across four different pillars. So building the conferences out into a, a global network of conferences. So next, uh, next year, we will have a European conference out of London. There's a good chance we'll have a conference out of India. And then the ultimate objective over the next few years is to have North America, South America, Africa, Middle East with these conferences that bring the industry together on, on an annual basis. And then the research uh, vertical, um, consulting and advising, um, and then the education part of it as well. So looking at ways that we, I, I do a number, I'm in the midst of a, a masterclass at the moment. I do a number of free webinars and, and the idea is really to say, well, how can we support the future leaders in our industry and the, and the future people that are not, not even necessarily the leaders, but people that are gonna be working in the industry. There's a, there's a bunch of, formal education on around around sport but generally it's a bachelor of science or it's a bachelor of sports management which tends to to focus more on your traditional mainstream stadium sports and professional sports and and I think with the with the growing space of mass participation particularly in Asia uh, there's opportunities to, to to hopefully provide a platform to educate people more yeah, yeah. Well, I want to start at the beginning and go, go through the story of, of the conference. But I think first, just come back to something you mentioned. It's interesting about building this global network of conferences. Uh, it's something I thought about. But I think, I don't know what you think, but what I've noticed a little bit, the events I've seen who do that, like, for example, BET, in education technology, there's a big event called BET BWT, and they have their big London event, which is huge, you know, and then they've, they've started running Asia, Middle East, uh, Latin America. But still, it, like the, the the original one is is the big one. That's what bed is, you know. And, and the other ones are, are like a, a kind of tiny in comparison. So I, I don't know if if you think like just just and I've seen one or two others where it, it is you can do that for sure. But to make the other ones comparable to the original is often hard, when, especially when it's established. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really great point, and and I, and I think we you know we we've recognised that, and and the positioning is that that the the Singapore event will be the world event for the foreseeable future. We've got a great relationship with the Singapore government. Are very supportive of the event. We're expanding it from a two-day event to a three-day event this year, for example. We're adding industry awards to it. We had a small expo last year, and we expect that to grow this year. We expect significant growth in the, in the number of, of delegates. And, you know, we certainly, the, the, the anecdotal feedback, we just opened registrations uh, just over a week ago. But, you know, we're getting groups. I was on a call with someone yesterday who didn't even attend last year, but is talking of bringing six to ten of their staff to the event. And we're getting more and more of those stories of people saying, well, the feedback that we've had last year was huge. So, you know, we, we, we've built that foundation and, and I think we would be naive to think we can go into in, into new markets and, 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 and overnight grow to the scale of where we are But in, in Singapore. But the reality is that, you know, the industry doesn't have many of these offerings. But, well, there's, there's nothing that kind of tackles all of the verticals like we do. You have Running USA, which is fantastically successful, and you know they have six, 700 delegates at it. There's Triathlon Business International, but they all tend to focus on, on the one vertical. And you know, where I was coming from is, you know, I think we, we all have similar opportunities. We have similar challenges. You know, we need to get our funding models right. We need to attract and retain and engage with participants. From a planning perspective, it's very similar. It's getting permits it's getting all the approvals in place it's all the risk management that goes with outdoor events and 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 you know whether you're putting on a big triathlon or a small triathlon or a big running or small running event you've, you're fundamentally faced with the same challenges and, and and the realization for me is well why don't we bring everybody in 
into the tent and, and, and learn from each other. And, and, and one of the things that I also try and do is bring speakers from outside of the traditional mass participation industries to say, well, what can we learn from other sports? What can we learn from other industries? So we've had the likes of One Championships, which is the, the Asian version of UFC for those that follow mixed martial arts. We've had uh, Tennis Australia and a case study on the Australian Open and, and various others with a view to say, well, you know, let, let's not be inwardly focused. Let's look over the fence and see what we can learn from others. Uh, and, you know, even to the extent of, People say to me regularly, well, how do you define mass participation? And, and, you know, until probably two years ago, I would have defined it as those traditional verticals, which I spoke about earlier, running, cycling, triathlon, swimming, obstacle. Um, but the reality is that, uh, you know, people who run massive football tournaments, how can you not say that's mass participation? Yeah, I presented yeah, yeah. an the Sports Industry Asia Awards in, in Bangkok for a three-on-three -three basketball tournament in China that had 64,000 participants. That's clearly mass participation. So how can we all learn from each other and benefit each other and get governments to recognize the value that these kind of sports bring to their citizens, not only from an economic impact, but from a social and a health benefit? Definitely. Now, I want to start in the beginning of the event because a lot of people listen to this are kind of you know, running their own conference or want to start running a conference. They want to do it, you know, how, how can you, you know, being, being, being basic about it, how can you run a conference and, and actually make money out of it, you know, and make a profit out of it? So I want to get back, how, how did the conference start? Like, and, and how did you come up with the idea? How did you promote it? I guess, you know, you had an audience, which is, which is a really huge thing for, for, for getting started. But what was the, how did you actually get started and get the first event off the ground? Yeah, look, you know, it was that, that idea that nothing like this exists there's an opportunity to promote collaboration and hopefully and you, that leads sold, to best practice within the industry, the re realization that it was growing in Asia. Yeah. So, you know, I guess funding, funding is key. So we, we approached the, the, the Singapore government and a couple of sponsors to, uh, to, to help support the event. I think the reality, like most uh, properties in the events industry, it's a, it's a model of you invest in year one, you, you maybe break even, make a little bit in year two, and then things start to escalate from there. And certainly that, that's been the model for us. So, we, you know, we invested year one, invested year two. We had, a, we had a difficult situation in year two. We, we were approached by someone to bring the conference to Bangkok. We, we, we took the conference to Bangkok. It was supposed to be in November 2016, and then the king died. Uh, everything shut down, and, and we literally had to postpone it from from December to May. So that that had a financial impact, but it had some great opportunities in that in 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 the second year, a number of people found their way to us in May who hadn't found their way to us in December. So we ended up with a partnership with Running USA, uh, which has turned out to be fantastic. We conducted. Can I just uh, the first Asian runner survey with them last year? Yeah, just just to say about the the funding because that's interesting because a lot of people don't you know run events they don't get funding they just do ticket sales. So how did that work? You actually got some money from the Singapore government to to to, to run the event. Yeah, yeah, not 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 a massive amount of money. So yeah. you know we we got a we got a small grant from them that was linked to a bunch of KPIs that we had to achieve. Right. Uh, we we got a, uh, we got a, a little bit of sponsorship. Most of it was in kind. Uh, and, and, and then the ticket sales. And we, we, we put the event alongside the, the Singapore Marathon. And that was great because it gave people a reason to come into town. And in those days, I was still organizing the Singapore Marathon. So 2015 was a, was a pretty huge 
year for it because we did. I did my book launch on the Wednesday night. The conference kicked off on Thursday and Friday, and then we organized the marathon sort of Saturday, Sunday. But it presented an, a number of great opportunities, including the fact that Steve Cram was in town. He was uh, he was doing the, the hosting the broadcast for the marathon. So we, we ended up with Steve doing the opening keynote for the marathon uh, for the conference, uh, which was fantastic. Got got some interest. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as is typical in, in, in the early years of these things, we, we ended up giving away a, a fair number of complimentary entries to, to attract people, to get them involved. The, the key focus was, was getting the speakers right um, so, so as to have, you know, a number of highlights to, to, to be able to attract people so that they would, would, would buy tickets. So, yeah, you, you're right. The financial model, crucial. But if you go into it thinking you're going to make money in year one, more than likely you're going to be disappointed, I find. In, in, in all my years of, you know, 35 years experience in the events industry, there's very few events that I've ever worked on that, that make a profit from year one. And you've got to be in a position where you know that you're kind of building and investing. How did you sell your tickets for the, for the I'm just real, cause this is always a, it's, it's kind of people kind of brush over this, but it's actually a really hard thing. Like how do you get people to pay for an event in year one? Like, did you, were you, were yeah, you look, it was, people it on was, LinkedIn? it was, it was doing, a lot of, okay. It, it was a mix. It's LinkedIn. It's uh, it was, it's WhatsApp marketing. So we have a WhatsApp group. Um, we've obviously got a database, which we email to uh, Facebook page, uh, and, uh, you know, as, as we've moved on uh, this year, we will be retaining a, a, a professional sales company, company that does sales conference. We, we've done it in the, in the last couple of years with, with someone working on a, on a project basis. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the sales part of it is key, and it's, and it's a real mix. And I think, obviously, as you build, you get more and more content. So we do, do quite a lot of content-related marketing. So I'm about to embark on it. We announced our first eight speakers last week, uh, and I'm about to embark on a, on a series of interviews with those speakers. So I, I spend, you know, literally 10, 15 minutes with with each of the speakers, uh, and then we turn that into a little one and a half, two minute teaser, which we we put out on social media, profiling the speakers, having a little bit of a chat about some of the insights that they might share. So building that awareness and and, and you know, I guess giving you know giving people insights and information in the lead up to the conference rather than just trying to sell them a product, giving them giving them some, some content ahead of time. Sure. Just to step in here quickly to mention our sponsor, EventsFrame, a project I'm co-founder of, and I want to mention our integrations, which we believe are the best available. Firstly, payment integrations. You can connect any payment gateways such as Stripe, PayPal, and Braintree, or even bank account or take cash. You can connect everything to EventsFrame. We also have the best marketing integrations out there with every email marketing system, including MailChimp, Zapier, Infusionsoft, Aweber, Drip. And we've got deep integrations with all the social media platforms like Facebook, Google, and Twitter. We've got thousands of events live on EventsFrame right now, ranging from small community meetups to huge trade shows and conferences. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. That's E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com. Now... Back to the interview. Well, now, now the back to stick to the early events because that's obviously the, the one where, where, where things really got going. Well, did, were you like you said you did some mark? Do you do the sales yourself? Were you were you just approaching people, emailing, or did, did you get people to help you? I'm I'm just really curious how you kind of because how many tickets did you sell for the for the first first event? Looking back, I think we had about 120 delegates, yeah. Dan. 
Um, and and those were, and I don't have the, the, the numbers at my fingertips, but, but I, I'm guessing that, you know, probably 60% of those were sold, 40% of them were, were, were complementaries yeah, for yeah. sponsors and other people that we wanted to, to come along. And, and that was literally, you know, hitting the phones. I had a couple of people in the office, myself going to my network, sending, you know, personalized inv invites and those kind of, it's a lot of legwork. I mean, that's, yeah, if, if, if that's the, the kind of key tip that your listeners are looking for, it's, it's very much about, you know, you gotta, you, you, you gotta, you gotta work the phones, you gotta work your network. Uh, we're really, really being in, in regular contact with people, chasing them up, doing deals, you know, bulk deals, encouraging people to, uh, you know, you know, to come along, maybe offering discounts and, and, and so on. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, kind of an interesting one because you've got you know from, from that perspective you've got asia which is an emerging market and 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 you know, we, i think we had in the first year we had something like nine or ten countries attending this last year we had 21 countries and i think next year uh, this year we'll end up with you know probably 30 35 countries represented and possibly even more um, so what I'm saying is, you know, when you go to markets like Cambodia and Vietnam and so on that are emerging, you know, they're, they're paying the cost not only of a registration, but they're flying into Singapore, they're playing, paying expensive hotel flight, hotel rates. So we, we kind of had to work around that one a little bit as well and say, okay, well, maybe we offer some complimentary or some discounted rates to those particular markets to encourage people to come in. Again, you know, coming back to, our overall objective, obviously, creating a commercially viable event is important, and and that long-term sustainability. But the, you know, the, one one of the 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 key objectives is to promote collaboration and best practice. And if you're putting it out of reach of those markets that are going to benefit from it, so the emerging markets, you know, we, we're we're looking to ensure that we get as much representation as possible, so they take the lessons away, um, and take them back and 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 improve the industry in their markets. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's a good way to do it. We, we do that with, with apps events. We run um, you know, events for teachers and a lot of them are at international schools. And then we'll often have, um, you know, we'll approach local schools with a, a sort of hugely discounted price for local schools, especially in events in Asia. We're running an event in Nepal in a couple of months and, you know, there's no, there's no money in the local education system. So you have to give it, you know, basically. I mean, we never, we never do it completely free. I don't know what you found. Yeah. We, we never Absolutely. usually do it completely free because we found in the past when we do completely free, people just don't turn up and, it, and the huge percentage don't and we can't, we can't plan. So we, we just say, okay, you've got to at least, you've got to pay nominal fee for the catering and for other things, you know, just because then I found if people pay even $10, $20, they'll, they'll come and, and free is, um, I don't know, it, 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 people tend, it's different if someone's flying into an event, they're going to come, you know, but if it's someone's in country, they'll be like, um, something else is on, they, they just won't go, you know. Yeah, look, it's a great point. I think in you know in any market that you, you really devalue your product when you give it completely for free, and people have got no commitment. So uh, yeah, it's something that we try and do as well. Now you mentioned about moving on to the sales, like you've engaging a sales agency. Is this, is this the first year you've done it? Because it's something I've thought about, and I'm really curious. Like, how could you go through that process of how how it works, and if you've had any success, if you've tried it already? We, we we tried it on a on a small scale with with an agency last year for literally a couple of weeks and and it wasn't particularly successful. But this, this is a group that's been um, recommended to us who've been hugely successful um, in, in in selling for a, for another conference um, also also in the in the kind of health and well being sector. 
um, and, and these guys were successful. And part of what they do is they build your database as well. So the way that we're looking at it is that, you know, even if they're not massively successful in selling, uh, we're, we're going to come out of it with a better database that we're going to be able to engage not only across our, our, our conference offerings, but in terms of other areas as well. So part of their their brief is to take our database and market to that, but it's also to build on that and 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 get more contacts for us. And how, and how does that work typically? Do they um, do they charge like a success fee? Every, they get a fee for every attendee, or, or do you typically pay them like a fee, like a fixed fee, to run the project? It's it's a mix. So there's a there's a monthly retainer, a relatively small monthly retainer, and then there's a commission on uh, on registrations that are put in place. And you know that's we, we we haven't absolutely signed them up yet. We're probably about a week away, and, and that's where we're kind of haggling at the moment to say, well, you know, if you're so confident of achieving what you're going to achieve, then probably there needs to be some kind of hurdle that you're going to jump over first, so that you know we're not we're not just investing a bunch of money and 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 we don't get any. You know, what, what's our guarantee in sure. terms of the money that uh, that we get, we, we're giving you. Yeah, it's interesting. We're definitely keen to see how that how that works out. I've um, heard someone else mention that, but it's you know it, it's a, it's kind of, it's kind of a new thing. I think. I mean, well, these outsourced sales companies have been around for a while, but typically conferences have done it themselves. You know, they've 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 you know approached people on, on LinkedIn and, and done the other marketing and stuff. Um, interesting. Have you have you done any kind of online advertising like you know buying Facebook ads, buying Google ads? No, we haven't. I haven't for this. We've we've really more just relied on 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 the on the network. Um, you know, going going through uh, you know my LinkedIn, my Facebook, marketing to those people, and and also you know a lot of work with our partners. We've got some some, some big global players in the industry that are partners of the event. You know, the the, the like of you know active. You'd be aware of, you know, probably the biggest. I, I think, in fact, I'm certain they're the biggest uh, online registration portal in, in in the mass participation industry. MyLapse, which is the biggest timing company, you know, manufacturer of timing equipment in the in the industry. Yeah. So using their channels um, is is the way that we tend to do that. So you know, working with partners, we're part of the. The deal is that you know they're paying us an element of money, but at the same time, part of their responsibility is to do some marketing for us as well. Yeah, now with partners, like uh, I mean, obviously people call it you know, sponsors, exhibitors, different things. But essentially, are you doing the model where they get an exhibition, to, they get a table or a booth, or, or you know, just just a table to exhibit, and 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 then you promote them along with the event, or do they get to speak and things? How, how do you work with them in terms of their participation at the event? Yeah, there's a great question. There's a, there's a number of different ways, uh, depending on what their level of investment is. And, and I'm I'm not a, a kind of a one size fits all gold silver bronze package person. It's very much about let's understand what your objectives are, what are you trying to achieve, and then yeah. we'll customize something to help you achieve those. But typically, there is a an expo booth in it. There's some delegate passes in, involved in it. There's uh, you know there's opportunity for distribution of content the, the speaking one is 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 a one that i'm i'm very very careful with yeah, because it's, you, you know you, you then in, in a position where you know you, you you're, you're selling your soul to a, to a speaker that comes in and then does a commercial pitch and your content gets eroded as a result of that no one wants to go to a conference and be sold to from the stage you know they want to come and learn and hear so you know it's something that we're we're, we're very particular with and you know there are the odd ones that you know what what they're doing makes sense to be to be part of the conference and and we work with them and it's people that we've had long long relationships with and we know that they're going to do the right thing by us we've also 
initiated last year, which was hugely successful, an innovation showcase. So we, we allocated an hour of the program and we had five companies had the option and they paid for the rights to, to do literally a 10 minute sales pitch. That was so well received that um, that's the reason for expanding out into a third day. And in fact, the third day is fundamentally a half day. On the morning of the third day will be our innovation showcase. And that will be a mix of keynotes. We've got uh, the general manager of the Global Sports Innovation Center in Madrid, which is a partnership with Microsoft, is going to come out and give a keynote. We'll have a couple of panels. And then we'll have a, about two hours worth of, of showcasing, which is you know the opportunity for 10 to 12 people to pitch their innovation to the audience. That obviously generates a revenue stream for us. And sometimes that's a, a sponsor opportunity. So depending on their package, they get that as part of their sponsorship. But the hope is that in, in time to come, that mass participation world will be recognized as a platform where um, innovators within the industry come and showcase their innovations. We have investors in the room and, and you know, we hope in three or four years time that we're going to be looking back and saying, you know, that innovation that's now a global norm, you know, was, was kind of found in inverted commas at MPW. And that way you, you give people the opportunity to give an unashamed pitch rather than put them in your, in your plenary sessions on day one and two and, uh, and, 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 and have them trying to do a commercial sale. Uh, the events I run, more or less, we don't let sponsors speak anymore because we've just been, we used to do it. And same as, as, as how you explained it, like they often just, like, even if, even if, I mean, we used to coach them and we'd say, look, you know, it can't be commercial. You've got to be delivering value. And they'll be like, okay, okay, okay. But sometimes they just can't stop themselves. You know, <laughs> they just can't stop trying to sell because, you know, they get, they've got like, I've got a hundred people in the room. Like I'm going to sell and it's, uh, and it just doesn't work out, you know, like I, 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 I very almost never do it. You know, I mean, I can't I can't even think of the last time I let a, a sponsor speak. You know, what what we do is um, we sometimes do demo slams at the end of day one, which is people come up and show something for two minutes, like really quick, like two minute things, because our, our events are focused on Google and technology in schools. You know? So you, so then, they, you mm -hmm. know, we'd let them come up and they can do a quick two minute, you know, show their best feature kind of thing. But, yeah, it, it's a tough one, you know, because and the other one is I'm curious how you handle this is. Um, sponsors often want the attendee list, and which is a real gray area because you know you don't want your attendees getting spammed or contacted by them. But that's often what they want. Have you come across that? Yeah. Look, it, in these days with PDPA or wherever, whatever it's called in different parts of the world, um, you know, it's it's just it, you're not allowed to do it. You yeah. can't give your uh, give your your database any. So um, what what uh, what we what we tend to do is. Uh, we'll give an opportunity for for certain levels to be able to send a piece of content out to the database, but again, it's done in such a way that it's not a you know it's not a spamming situation and it's not everyone doing it. And it's uh, you know what 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 I also tend to do is is one of the benefits I provide uh, is an opportunity for personalised introductions. So uh, I, I will send to select sponsors who who, who who prepared to invest to that level. They'll get a list of the database literally company and, and, and job title uh, without naming names and so on and obviously without any contact details and then they get the opportunity to say, okay, uh, you know, for example, they'll get 10 introductions and, 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 and I will then make those personalized introductions based on who they've selected.
sorry, I think there's a delay on. here. That's why we're talking over each other a little bit. I'm just curious about your database you mentioned. Like, I mean, obviously, I think you know we call it the email list, same sort of thing. Do you? How do you engage? Like, generally, do you do you have like a do you send a newsletter weekly, monthly? And I'm curious, like, how does that work? And what sort of open rates? And 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 what, how big? Like, what sort of size is your, is your list? Yeah, we, we've got several thousand on it, and and to be honest, it's an area that we need to improve on. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's not we don't do a newsletter. We really just generally send out content around, and we try to segregate that content depending on you know what sector of of the industry they come from. So rather than a kind of a one size fits all, um, you know, if they're a supplier, they get a more tailored approach. If they're a rights holder, they get a more tailored approach. If they're a sponsor, they get a more tailored approach. Uh, so we've got you know four different personas, so to speak, that we 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 send more tailored messages to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know the the, the newsletter thing. Uh, you know, you get mixed responses. Some people swear by them. Other people tell you that you know your your open rates are just getting lower and lower. And you know, and I, I see it myself. I subscribe to so many things, and you know, how often do I get a chance to really read them? So I'm just just not convinced that it's uh, it, it's worth the time that you put into it. And, and we tend to just put that content more out on our social channels. Yeah, definitely. And what and on the social channels, what have you? Which one or ones have you had the most success with? Like, if you're going to do eighty twenty, like, what was the best? Uh, look, I, th- I think LinkedIn works very much in in our industry, and and and, and to a degree, Facebook. Uh, but but certainly, we we focus most of the energy on LinkedIn. Right, 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 right. Great. So, um, what about um, dealing with speakers, like presenting speakers? Like, how um, obviously it's always tough to know how many you need to get. Um, like, have you? Did you pay your speakers from day one, or did you get some people to to speak for free because they wanted to be in front of the audience? Like, how how did that work logistically for you? Yeah, we we don't pay any speakers. That's that that's our, our, that's our rule. Is that uh, yeah, we, we haven't we haven't paid any speakers, and and that's the plan. You know, the way I see it is that. Uh, uh, you know, and it's a kind of an interesting one because me as a professional speaker, then telling speakers that that, yeah. uh, that we're not paying them. But you know, fundamentally, when I'm speaking as a professional speaker, I'm more speaking in corporate circles and that sort of stuff. But when it's industry related, um, yes. I, 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 I don't get paid to do that. Uh, you know, occasionally there's flights and so on. And again, you know, we we're not operating on massive budgets, so you know, we we might pay. One maybe two two flights if they're a, a real key keynote um, that, that's that's going to create some attraction for us. Um, then, then we might pay flights and a, and a couple of nights accommodation yep. or a night's accommodation. But in the main, the way I look at it is that you know this is fast becoming recognised as the place to be in the mass participation industry. So you know we're we're giving them the platform to be able and and you know we're we're getting more and more speakers approaching us saying we'd love to speak. Um, so that they see that as the platform and, you know, even last year, as, as I think I said, we had 60 speakers, um, which is obviously a significant amount of speech speakers to manage and, and the like. And if wow. you're suddenly starting to offer flights and accommodation and that, you know, they obviously get a free, free pass. So it's, uh, you know, that, that they're getting some value anyway from that perspective. And, sure. and there's real, real costs to us associated with that in, in terms of, you know, the meals that they have. And, and you know, we host a, a speaker and sponsor a, um, cocktail party on the Sunday evening. So there's, there's real, real investment and cost for us. And hopefully there's great value from, from their perspective. And that's certainly the feedback that we get from them is that it's, it's well worth their while coming and being part of it. Yeah, definitely. That last thing you mentioned, a speaker and sponsor party is great because sponsors love it. They get to meet the speakers um, and, and it's something, 
it's a way, you know, it's, it's, a, it's another real benefit you're giving to someone, you know. Because obviously, you know, I think, you know, we, we pay some speakers, but it all depends. I mean, uh, when you've got an event to the stage you have, when it's an industry event that people want to be seen at because they get value for it, then, you know, you often don't have to, which, which is a, obviously the, the, the way, you know, the, the best way to have it. Look, Chris, I want to end Yeah, do you, I mean, you, so you, you, don't, you, you don't pay your speakers? Oh, so, sorry. Look, so I was just, we, we, we're talking over each other. Yeah, we, no, we do sometimes because um, we run Google events, and a lot of uh, our presenters are, are teachers. And, and, and if they're coming to present, um, we, you know, we'll, we'll pay some of the main ones. You know, most people we don't pay actually. Most people present for free, but but we pay. We do pay the main ones. But um, it, you know, it, it depends. Like in the beginning, we didn't pay anyone. We just couldn't afford it. There was no money to pay to pay anyone. You know. Now, now, now we do, but it's but it's a tough one, you know, because if you're paying some but not others, and they can be people can be unhappy about it from that point. So I think that your model of kind of it's all or nothing is, is probably the best way to do it, you know. Yeah, look, that's certainly you know what what we're we're, we're very conscious of is you pay one and then inevitably someone else hears and and it becomes a problem. Yeah. Look, Chris, I want to end it. It's really a pleasure to talk to you again. That was a load of good value about, about running, running an event. And, and, and everyone should check out Mass Participation uh, World. It looks like a really interesting event in, coming up in Singapore. So, Chris, uh, thanks very much for, for being on the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Great talking. Yeah, fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com.